0: We are Victim of Illusion, you are listening to the tall, friendly Atheist Dead podcast, and the next 30 seconds are brought to you by our album Invisible Light, available at our Bandcamp website. Hello, my name is Damien, the tall, friendly atheist dad, and host of the Tall, Friendly Atheist Dad podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode. Wherever you are, whatever time of day it is, and whatever you happen to be doing, I hope you enjoy. Thank you. Hello, this is Damien, the tall, friendly atheist dad. Wherever you are, wherever you're listening to this, I hope you are you are all doing well. Uh, it's, it's a pleasure to have on the line that one twenty-six. Jax, how are you?
1: Hi, I am. I'm here. I'm awake.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Good stuff. Good stuff. Now, this is a bit of an impromptu chat, but it's just something that you know we both had the time and the uh, the topic came up. So, if if this does sound a little bit disjointed and off the cuff, well, it completely is. So anyway, so um, one of the reasons this uh, so if you look on the screen, there is a PDF uh, called "What's the Difference: SLED a Pro-Life Defense." Uh, this came to my attention because I am on the cross-examined uh, mailing list and I do like to keep abreast of you know what uh, Frank Turek and uh, one of the most prominent uh, apologetics organisations uh, going around today does and what they think and how they think and all that kind of stuff. So uh, the Pro-Life SLED Defence came to my mailbox and uh, put an email address in and uh, get get a PDF. So uh, I, f- I figured I would speak to someone who has uh, some f- uh, relatively strong opinions on the topic, and someone who I can trust to be very frank and honest with me uh, about their about their opinions, and that is Jack. So Jack, thank you for making yourself available. I know it's a little late where you are right now.
1: Hey, that's totally fine. And so, yeah, this is something so, that <laughs> has gotten me more heated recently. So
0: indeed, indeed, and this especially in light of firstly the Texas uh, the Texas uh, laws.
2: And uh, but now apparently
0: to do you're same. saying Florida. Yeah, yep. Uh, but this is also in light of all the uh, attempts since uh, Roe versus Wade. Uh, you know, since then, like ever, ever since then, various states have tried various measures in order to, um, you know, yeah, like restrict uh, access to reproductive rights and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, so let's put some music on in the background just for some listening. Basically, uh, Cross Examiner put out a, a one pager. Uh, SLED—they're all acronyms. So I thought we'd just go through some acronyms, uh, see what their points are, and uh, see if uh, we can either agree or disagree on some of the points.
1: Before we so get to just... that, I do want to point out something about this particular uh, PDF. No, of course.
2: Yeah. So if
1: you look at the if you look at the very bottom, you notice that it says, um, "Based on the SLED acronym created by Steven Schwartz." Ah, yes. So I decided to do some... Hold on,
0: let me just, uh... Highlight that. Ah, yes, yeah, yeah, it is actually, yeah, right right down the bottom. Yeah, basically, uh, written by Scott Klusendorf of LTI, uh, designed by Phoenix Hayes of OCC.
1: Um, and what I found about Stephen Schwartz, um, is that he is a advocate for pro-life, or anti-abortion, depending on the terms that you use. Yep. And his 1990 book, Moral Question of Abortion, is where the SLEE acronym initially popped up. Okay, yep. Uh, he has written another book more recently, in 2011. Um, it was supposed to be neutral, but it looks like it's a little bit split, uh, depending on who reads the book will determine whether or not mm-hmm. it seems more or less biased one way or another, which you can see that is a good thing, that he did his job properly, or it may not be a good thing because only one particular site is reading it at the moment so take it as you go yep
0: no, fair enough Fair enough. so basically uh, so cross-examined have put out this uh, or borrowed this uh, one pager from uh, as you said, Stephen Swartz so the S uh, SLED is an acronym for the S is size uh, L is level of development E is environment and D is degree of dependency I'm not sure where the equality... Ah, uh, oh, okay, then leads to equality. Yeah, that's... Uh, um, so anyway, so let's uh, quickly uh, go over what uh, each of these uh, various points are. So okay. S is for size. So I'll quickly read uh, quickly read this part. So size. True. Embryos are smaller than newborns and adults. But why is that relevant? Do we really want to say that large people are more human than small ones? Men are generally larger than women, but that doesn't mean they deserve more rights. Size doesn't equal value. Well, that's a (laughs) that's a that's an interesting way of looking at it. Uh, Size, you know, um, Mm -hmm. in that case, that will make that 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 will make Shaquille O'Neal one of the most valuable people on earth.
1: Well, so this is actually interesting because I've seen that argument come up through a fiction series. Um, Mm -hmm. Yep. So the first. The first book in that series is called Unwind. Don't know if you've heard of this book.
0: can I have, no.
1: Okay. So Unwind is basically that's the idea of the size argument. Um, mm-hmm. Where how, how big you are, how old you are will determine, you know, uh, more of that stuff. But I can get into that later. I'm just going to put a pin in it and note that Unwind has used some of
0: that particular argument before. Okay, yep, 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 yep. Is anyone on the pro-abortion side of the debate actually gone, well, you know, the size of a person determines their value? And I can't say I've ever heard anyone... No, I've um, never heard that. Unless unless you're making the case that a fetus is a human, Mm -hmm. which you know, only then could you then uh, get into a size argument? So that's... Um,
1: so, the problem is, is that you have to get... Interesting. The, there's a whole other argument that we can have um, after we go through all of this, but I'm going to put sure. a second pin on, on the size bit there.
0: <laughs> okay. no, right, Okay, so the L in SLED means level of development. True. Embryos and fetuses are less developed than the adults they'll one day become. But why is this relevant? Should older children have more rights than their younger siblings? Some people argue that self-awareness makes one human. But if that is true, newborns do not qualify as valuable human beings either. Nor do the, nor do the reversibly comatose, the sleeping, and those with Alzheimer's disease. Okay, so Jax, uh, what are your thoughts on that particular, on, on that particular uh, argument?
1: Excuse me, I'm going to focus on that last little bit here, if you don't mind.
0: Okay, so, nor do the reversibly comatose, the sleeping, and those with Alzheimer's disease.
1: So, let's talk about, specifically, Alzheimer's disease. This is a disease I am very familiar with.
0: Okay, and why why would that be?
1: My grandmother had Alzheimer's disease, and... Okay, yep, yep and there's a very strong chance that it was on my grandfather and a few other people mm-hmm. in my family have had Alzheimer's disease. Yep. And I can tell you from personal experience with Alzheimer's disease, they are self-aware. Not only okay, are they yep. self-aware, they some of them get so aware of themselves and everyone else around them, they become paranoid. Okay. So, if you've never had anyone with Alzheimer's disease in your life, um... Yes, it does reduce the amount of function that the brain has. And it will eventually force the brain to shut down. Yep. But unless you hit a stage of vegetation where you literally cannot move or think for yourself, normally it doesn't get to that point. People with Alzheimer's disease are very aware of their surroundings and are very aware of of who they are and who everyone else around them is to some degree, even if they lose their memory of that person, they can generally feel some sort of general reaction to them. I feel safe around this person. They may not know why, but they may instinctually know this person, I feel safe. The bottom line is, is that when my grandmother had Alzheimer's, there may have been moments where she forgot who I was, but she always knew who I was in relation to her. She knew that she loved me. She knew that I loved her back. She knew that I had a connection with someone else, and that the mm. two of us gifted her something that she feels is extremely important in her life, and she held on to it. It was a blanket.
0: Okay, um, I was- suppose this end. Sorry, you say this end raises the, raises the point. You know, is it is it? Um, You know, is it ethical to euthanize people with, um, you know, the comatose, uh, sleeping, or people with Alzheimer's?
1: It does raise that concern, and um, I, I cannot put judgment on that front. It's for Mm -hmm. a person-to-person basis. There are there are people who have in their wills that they would rather be thrown in a home than to do the same things that their parents did when they had alzheimer's to their kids so it really depends on a person and their own personal values and morals Mm -hmm. and whether or not they feel there's a certain point where they can no longer really be of help to the family and that they're just feeling like a burden
0: Okay, yeah, because I, um, for my work as a, uh, a field technician uh, in the IT industry, I, I go to a lot of places, and one of the places I go to a lot is uh, nursing homes and uh, aged residential care. And I can tell you that um, a lot of those places seem very morose, seem very, you know, um, very, how can I say, I think I've only, out of the dozens of uh, nursing homes I've been to, there's probably been only one i've been to that i can think that i would want to go to should i be in that state and in need of care
2: mm-hmm.
0: so there's a part of me that thinks well look you know if i ever get to that stage then you know it's like is it worth is, is it worth bothering because you know in a way in a way you're just waiting to die which is like okay yeah like 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 so god has made a so so let's say we uh like i suppose we 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 talk about this from an anti-theological perspective you know does like does god see people with alzheimer's disease you know as as people and i think it would be an interesting interesting question because Mm -hmm. it comes down to the soul what part of the human uh experience is the soul is it the brain
1: is it outside of the body is it Mm, somewhere mm. in the body that's not the brain and if so where is it
0: like what what neural what uh, neurological function do you have to lose for your soul to be uh, impacted and like the the common argument is all well, like your personality you know your soul part of your part of your personality is your soul but then we know what happens that if the you, frontal
1: lobe gets damaged
0: well, correct. I was going to say, if your brain gets damaged, if you have an overdose of drugs, if you, you know, get hit in the head, if you, you know, or all, all this kind of stuff, you know, we know that your personality changes. Or like with Alzheimer's disease, if your brain gets plaque, then, you know, you can, uh, yeah, you, your personality does change. Does that mean your soul has changed?
1: And again, as someone who's had, who's, my grandmother was the closest person that I had with Alzheimer's and I literally watched her her slow descent for five to seven years beginning to end. I I saw all the steps that she went down and that would be a hard question to, to toss mm. to people. When yeah. was my grandmother no longer my grandmother? And as someone who is not theologically minded, I can pinpoint roughly when the transition happened from this is still the same person that I grew up in love to this is now a three-year-old version of her who is scared and wants to feel loved and protected.
0: Okay. Yep. Yep. Um, so. But it's interesting that, um, like, and again, we come down to what what does God see? We, we don't seem to have a clear theological uh, clear theological answer on the uh, on, on, on the topic as well. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just uh, it's weird. So. Uh, what's that first sentence? Uh, embryos and fetuses are less developed than the adults they'll one day become. Uh, to me, now this—I suppose this actually does uh, raise a point. At what point uh, do embryos and fetuses get the right to life? And I think there are—I think there are cogent arguments at every at every step. And.
1: I would only personally argue yep. for the idea of personhood from 24 weeks or later. But mm-hmm. because at that point you've got a working brain, a working heart, everything is in many ways functioning. It's just yep. not fully developed yet to, the, to where 40 weeks hits. And we have had cases of kids who... Had to be removed early and have survived thanks to yep. the scientific intervention from twenty-four weeks on. Yep.
0: But this is the you raise a point here. The scientific intervention. Uh, there was no how can I say? Like we were able to develop those machines and those techniques and get the knowledge of how to help those babies live through mm-hmm. science, not not through theology. Like That's it wasn't awesome. like uh, it wasn't like God came down on the cloud and said, "Well, look, hey guys, you know this is uh, <laughs> this is this is how you do it. You know, follow my instructions here." Yeah. So uh, yeah. So I think you you and I line up in that like third trimester seems to be about the time when uh, when. But while you're doing that, I am actually looking for a a particular uh, a particular um, verse even- from.
1: But even then um, i would yep. even, for, even then i would argue most most abortions that happen from 24 weeks onwards are usually because of medical issues um there mm-hmm. very rarely are third trimester abortions it's usually first trimester
0: oh indeed that's uh and i think that's why we brought it up um mm-hmm. uh, abortion it's uh, yeah, so I'm just trying to gather my thoughts on this because yeah, like I can't say I, I can't say i've ha- I've had to have one and I, I honestly don't know too many people who I think I can count on one hand the number of people I know who have said that they have had uh, you know they have uh, voluntarily terminated a pregnancy. I actually just not, just on sorry, well, was gonna say yeah. and just on that, the question is at what stage does a pregnancy then uh, entail uh, you know full rights. Uh, full rights the full unalienable rights to um i can say to the life developing inside because then if we go and then things like, i suppose theologically is life inalienable as well um like f- from from my perspective uh life is inalienable up to the point that um like the only reason you could you sh- you could kill someone if there is an immediate threat that uh, that violence is the like violence as a last resort, like where we know compromise and negotiation and things like that. That's where I'm thinking. I'm happen. thinking. I'm I'm, I'm, th- yeah, I'm thinking militarily here, um, but also like you know if uh, you know if you're being physically attacked, and you know the only reasonable way to mitigate the danger is to you know unfortunately end the life of the person or people who are perpetrating the assault. Then, then yeah um, but if we look theologically uh, we see that God has no problem with ending ending lives so in a way it's like God expects us to um, value life when he himself doesn't and, and this then you got that... numbers yep, I don't know uh, if you know about
1: numbers do you know about numbers?
0: numbers 5, 11 to 29 you got it yes uh would you like to go over that for us just to uh, refresh refresh your memories and i'll look for this uh, particularly jewish verse i was uh, i was looking at yes actually i've got it <laughs> up in front of me yep uh, read it for me if you could
1: uh let me pull it up on my end as well uh which version yep. do you want if you don't mind my uh, g- the
0: one the one that's easiest to one that's easiest to read because I, I really don't want thou thou shalt <laughs> thou shalt no bring G&B, thine woman exactly thank, thank <laughs> you thank you thank you
1: I will give you the NIV, since that's the one that I grew up with.
0: Fair enough, fair enough. Sounds good.
1: So, if you want me to read it from the start...
0: Yeah, go for it, go for it.
1: Then the Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, If a man's wife goes astray and is unfaithful to him so that another man has sexual relations with her, and this is hidden from her husband and her impurity is undetected, since there is no witness against her and she has not been caught in the act and if feelings of jealousy come over her husband and he suspects his wife and she is impure or if he is jealous and suspects her even though she is not impure then he is to take his wife to the priest. He must also take an offering of a tenth of an ephah of barley flour on her behalf. Mm -hmm. He must not pour olive oil on it or put incense on it because it is a grain offering for jealousy. A reminder offering to draw attention to the wrongdoing. The priest shall bring her and have her stand before the Lord. Then he shall take some holy water in a clay jar and put some dust from the tabernacle floor into the water. After the priest has had the woman stand before the Lord, he shall loosen her hair and place in her hands the reminder offering, the grain offering for jealousy, while he himself holds the bitter water that brings a curse then the priest shall put the woman under oath and say to her, If no other man has had sexual relations with you and you have not gone astray and become impure while married to your husband, may this bitter Mm -hmm. water that brings a curse not harm you. But if you have gone astray while married to your husband and you have made yourself impure by having sexual relations with a man other than your husband, here the priest is to put the woman under this curse. May the mm-hmm. Lord cause you to become a curse among your people when he makes your womb miscarry and your abdomen swell. May this water that brings a curse into your body so that your abdomen swells or your womb miscarries. Then the woman is to say, Amen. Amen, so be it. hmm Do
2: you want me to and keep that going?
0: That's <laughs> right, uh, so, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, then the priest is to...
1: The priest is to write these curses on a scroll and then wash mm-hmm. them off into the bitter water. You shall make the woman drink the bitter water that brings a curse, and this water that brings a curse and causes bitter suffering will enter her. The priest is to take from her hands the grain, the grain offering for jealousy, wave it before the Lord, and bring it to the altar. The priest is then to take a handful of the grain offering as a memorial offering and burn it on the altar. After that, he is to have the woman drink the water. If she has made herself impure and been unfaithful to her husband this will bring be the result when she is made to drink the water that brings a curse and causes bitter suffering it will enter her her abdomen will swell and her womb will miscarry and she will become a curse if however the woman has not made herself impure but is clean she will be cleared of guilt and will be able to have children this then is the law of jealousy when a woman goes astray and makes herself impure while married to her husband or when feelings of jealousy come over a man because he suspects his wife the priest is to have her stand before the lord and is to apply this entire law to her the husband will be innocent of any wrongdoing but the woman will bear the consequences of her sin
0: alright so in short it's the 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 jealousy test um which
1: will cause the woman to miscarry
0: hmm Yes, that's. Uh, now, having said that, though, I was corrected by a couple of people on that on that topic. So now, I used to believe that it was uh, God sanctioning uh, the termination of a pregnancy, and I will admit that the I will admit that the plain reading does lend credence to that uh, that particular opinion, and I suppose that. Uh, if we look at the, I suppose, the King James Version-only movement who believe that the Bible written in English is the, you know, is the Word of God, then, sure, you know, we can then remove all historical nuance and go, well, yes, this is the, uh, this is what God is uh, saying directly. Um, but, yeah, no, you're right. It is a, lot like, on the face of it, it does look like, you know, when, when it does say that the womb will miscarry and the abdomen swell, you know... Um, that is like what what is a termination of a pregnancy called. It's called an ah, uh... Abortion. There we go. I, was, oh, I had a had a train of thought. Um
1: You were mentioning being corrected about this horse?
0: Ah, uh, yes I was so I was corrected about so I am a little bit hesitant to say that this is about this is definitely about abortion, but uh, given that most fundamentalists uh, don't really care about what the Hebrew or the Greek says, they only care about what the English says. I think we can take. Uh, you yeah, know, part part of me says it's okay for us to take this at face value, and uh, remove removal removal nuance uh, from from the text because I can tell you that many fundamentalists remove nuance. You know, um, oh, yeah, as okay. I said, uh, yeah, and as, as I said as as I said to uh, one of my, one of my friends, you know, all, all it takes for a Christian to be an expert in Uh, greek or hebrew is for them to find the interpretation of an ancient word that fits their particular theology so anyway um now what i notice here is that so firstly the the ancient israelites were very um how can i say like they were very i suppose particular about when women were menstruating uh, if mm-hmm. a if a woman who was menstruating touched something, the thing that she touched was unclean. So we can and imagine was that
1: unclean for even seven days after.
0: Yeah, so, so so we can imagine that in a culture that uh, cared a lot about when women were menstruating. Well, hold on, yeah, you know, the fact that you're not in a very agrarian society where you know the husband isn't always around. And when, uh, you know, where women's period—I wouldn't say women's periods attract—but you know the, cult, the culture cares so much that um, I think there's a, there's a Bible verse that says you know if you you know have intercourse with your wife while she's on a period, both of you are to be put to death. And it's like, because well, now holy. Yeah, exactly. But like, I thought, uh, you know, God cared about you know showing love between married couples, but it turns out not always. So not only, does, not only does God care what you do while you're naked, not only does God care who you do it with, but he also cares about what, you know, what may the or may not be coming out. Are. Yeah, what the circumstances are, it's like, really. So anyway, if we go to, um, what, what was he gonna think though? Uh, so this you know on the face of it, it doesn't look like a you know a pro-life uh that doesn't look like a pro-life verse at all you know it says especially especially when you read it in english it says yeah you know, the womb will miscarry well yeah, you know, what is it what is a miscarriage before full term you know oh, so a forced miscarriage before full term we call that an abortion but also um if we look at other verses um, psalm 137 9 i don't know if you want if you want to get that one up i might just quickly get it up at my end
1: Psalm um, 137,
0: yep. verse 9. Yep, psalm, one th- psalm 137,
2: 9. Oh yeah, that one!
0: That one, yes. And that says, Blessed shall be he who takes your little ones and dashes them against the rock.
1: There was more context around that, though. I know that much.
0: There was, yes. That was to do with... Uh, that's also, funnily enough, the same psalm where Rivers of Babylon comes from by mm-hmm. the rivers of Babylon
1: Wasn't this talking about the um, occupation of
0: Corre- Jerusalem yes. at the time? Uh, I think it was more the fact that they'd been carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon uh, mm. and this is basically a, a cry for revenge. But um, I, I get told by numerous Christians that, you know, God author, God directly authored the the text of the bible uh, or god endorses you know all the texts of the bible so then in that case what is what is context what is what is historical context to a god who is uh, you know who is above all time you know who, whose universal and absolute morality you know shouldn't shouldn't change this is, what, this is what I don't. This is what I don't quite get. Is that well, you know, if um, if if this verse is only supposed to be for those people who are, you know, in Babylon, then you you know, it's like, is it okay to wish that the the babies of your enemy die, just because you know you're you're under some sort of duress,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and that's what you know. Hard to work out. So you know, either you know, and I get told all the time by Christians that you know, uh, morality, God's morality is universal and absolute and doesn't, and never changing, and all that kind of stuff. But um, it might yeah. So, but his so,
1: mind about eating shrimp
0: and wearing wearing mixed fabrics, and that's actually a, a an argument I'm having on on uh, on my personal Twitter account, not my podcast Twitter account, um, where. <laughs> you know um about about the mixed fabrics you know i uh, i made a meme if you go over to um yeah my personal uh twitter account i put a meme up about you, you know that guy who's sw- who has like two buttons in front of him and he's sweating about making a decision yeah so on one button I, on one button i had um don't own people as property and then on the other button i've got don't wear two t- two types of fabric and I've labelled the guy sweat. I've got the guy sweating labelled God, and he's not 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 too sure which one to which one to the side. And yeah, so it does seem that you know God's universal morality sometimes is is relative to the culture, and it's like something like something I don't quite get. But the other one I want to, do, uh, I think Hosea thirteen sixteen. Let me just double check. Uh, okay, can't find. Uh, but I think it's Hosea thirteen sixteen that says um, uh, Samaria will bear her guilt. Let me just find it, Hosea 13. And hopefully enjoying the, the, the cool tunes in, in the background. Okay, here, so Hosea thirteen sixteen. this is from the NIV, because, again, I grew up with the NIV. The people of Samaria must bear their guilt because they have rebelled against their god. They will fall by the sword Their little ones will be dashed to the ground. Their pregnant women ripped open. Um, Little ones dashed to the ground. What does that mean? Well, you know. (laughs) Yikes. And then their pregnant women ripped open. So, now let me just see where... uh, Just trying to see where... So again, you know, if God is endorsing these words, then, you know, it seems that God, under the right circumstances, you know, does have, uh, doesn't have a problem with little children being killed. So it's just, I suppose, you know, from my perspective, it's a little bit hypocritical for God to say, you must, you must hold to this standard, except under this circumstance, that circumstance, that circumstance, or basically, basically, unless I give you permission. And the problem with that is you know it becomes basically divine command theory. you know that the moral uh, the moral value of a particular action or decision is based on the deity that commanded it rather than on the uh, value um, to to human life basically. But just just having said that, um, I suppose you know from your perspective, why is abortion a good thing?
1: Uh, from my p- position why is abortion good? So, I sorry.
0: That's my brain for two seconds of a. So yeah, I thought because like it is, it is the overarching topic, and um, you know, I suppose anyone listening to this, you know, we do need to like we we're talking very anti-theologically, but we're not really talking on the pro pro abortion side.
1: So, personally, what I see with with abortion is a few things first of all, I try to hold myself to kind of a more utilitarian Mm -hmm. uh, philosophy. Which, for those who don't know, utilitarianism is basically trying to mitigate as much negative outcomes as possible while trying to increase the amount of good that happens, especially for people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, when someone is pregnant, if if it was because of coercion or for up or for other things that are against their will or if it was completely unplanned and somebody was not willing or ready to have a child maybe they had every single birth control available to them and they mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. If someone is in that position if 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 bearing that child to term is going to provide more harm to the person to the person and people involved yep. then good then especially while they're still not born yet um that would be the time for the abortion to happen now once there are cases of oopsies that don't get caught until right as uh, it's time for birth
0: yep correct yep. From time to time. it does uh,
1: at that point um you have to do what is best for yourself, whether it's having the kid sent for to the foster care system or adoption, mm-hmm. or if you can take care of the kid yourself, absolutely go for it. But in the normal cases, if it's going to cause the uterus owner more harm than good to carry mm-hmm. that child to term, why provide them undue burden in doing so?
0: yep and i've you know especially when you look at uh and i don't sound mean by saying this but you know children in lower class uh lower class or disadvantaged settings where um you know those children grow up in generational poverty uh generational abuse um all the kind of stuff you know in uh how can i say um like I personally think that you should only have a child when you're ready to have a child. Um, but yeah, you know, obviously or accidents as ready happen as you and can so be. as ready as you can be, yeah, yeah. Um But yeah, it's just uh interesting that um Yeah, like you see some kids grow up in absolute uh some kids grow up in absolute uh absolute poverty. Um in uh, they they're in the criminal justice system, or uh, all, all that kind of stuff. Now I'm not saying not saying they should be um uh, they should be yeah, killed or anything I'm just saying that you know sometimes um, yeah you're right like accidents do happen in regards to pregnancy and you know having the option uh, to terminate as soon as you know and then maybe when you're ready later on to have another to have another child um, yeah this is a there's a thing like unfortunately you know God didn't design the human body in order to have like an off switch for uh, nope. for, for for sexual maturity you know, it's just oh, that you I know.
1: That
0: was a thing. Indeed, indeed. So we have to rely on <laughs> you know, um well rely on firstly the rhythm method, which is, you know, your very primitive way. Or sorry, or well, dumb luck, uh, which uh-huh. is, your, is your first step. Then you have like the rhythm method and then you know it's only until, you know, I forget when when uh, prophylactics were made, but you know, it's um so in a way, isn't uh isn't uh birth control working against God's plan? Yeah, oh, which is I think oh yes uh, have i have i touched a nerve
1: not a nerve but a subject
0: okay sure do you want to
1: there are people who think that birth control is a sin catholics some there are other people in other religious denominations though who like that though for example one of my high school teachers was a pastor who had that belief and he okay, had yeah. nine children.
0: Wow, that's. In
1: fact, I think it might be more now.
0: That's uh, that's a lot. Like, uh, th- and that also r- leads me to the. I think it's called the Quiverful movement.
1: Quiverful, yes.
0: Yes, I've heard. Okay, cool. I've got. I've got it right.
1: Yes, uh, you have heard We're correctly. Go. Like, lo- Quiver-
0: okay.
1: For the audience, the Quiverful movement mm-hmm. is mostly a movement in the US, but it is in other places too. Uh It's this idea of you must be fruitful as the bible commands and so they say don't use birth control Uh, just have as many children as god gives you
2: Uh
1: which can result in families of 13 or more and parents who cannot pay to support these children and then that means that a lot of these kids end up being homeschooled because these are usually fundamentalists to some degree so yep. it just it creates generations of kids who have the same beliefs as their parents and they will do the same thing as they did and it just perpetuates the cycle
0: now if it's it a good cycle that you know produced you know productive you know paying citizens who you know were charitable and um, <laughs> you know uh, valued science education and things like that you know it wouldn't be too much of a problem but the fact that if they're being raised in religiously fundamental households um you know and that's where, all they know yeah exactly and especially uh if they're getting taught yeah. if they're getting taught um divine command theory where well sorry well maybe not divine command divine command theory directly but you know a version of morality where god is the ultimate authority and god can bend his own rules uh willy-nilly mm. then yeah and you know all it takes is someone to hear from god to say well you know uh, god commanded me to to perform some sort of moral atrocity be it steal kill you know or, or, or what kind of stuff
1: i'm sorry is that too close
0: yeah well for me no but um <laughs> you know i've i've never had my children but yes it's um and so like when when islamic terrorists say they're on a mission from god to you know you know to do their thing you know why why do christians arc up when they would they would if they had it, it well if they could and sometimes they do you know do the same thing you know so i find that i find that interesting but um
1: we have gone way off track.
0: <laughs> Quite an inter- interesting discussion. Um, mm-hmm. Let's maybe head on to the so levels, levels of levels of development. Um, it is an interesting uh, way of looking at it, and I suppose. Then, but for me, yeah, it's at every stage you can make arguments about who is human and who isn't. But um, you know, some people, some people, some people say that you know the fertilized egg is human because it can one day become uh can become a person but then couldn't you then go back one more step and say that the individual egg and uh, sperm are also uh potential humans as well
1: and people don't and that
0: way then, go
2: that far back <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yeah it's um this is an interesting but yeah for me i think uh, this this is just my personal opinion that you know i think when you have a heartbeat and, and sentience, uh, even though you may not be able to fully express that sentience like, like babies do, uh, the fact that you do have sentience there is a I think a, a compelling case that, okay, once you've crossed across that threshold, then you have the inalienable right to life. Now we've got to the next one, which is environment. Environment, where you are has no bearing on who you are. Does your value change when you cross the street or roll over in bed? If not, how can a journey of eight inches down the birth canal suddenly change the essential nature of the unborn from non-human to human? If the unborn are not already human, merely changing their location can't make them valuable.
1: But changing their okay. location will determine whether they die quicker.
0: Uh, what do you mean? What do you mean by that?
1: So, if you remove, if you were to, okay, back up. Yeah. Let's get my brain back to back on a train. <laughs> so. Do you know what an ectopic pregnancy is?
0: I've heard of it, but I would uh, maybe best remind me and the audience where you're, where you're, what what it is, so we're fully informed.
1: As a refresher, an ectopic pregnancy is a pregnancy in which the egg and sperm meet, but they meet outside of the uterus. And then ah, yes, yep, yep. The egg attaches usually outside the uterus, but it can also attach to the fallopian tubes oh. really bad scenarios. Mm-hmm. Yep. If you have an ectopic pregnancy. That baby's not going to live very long. Okay. Yep. So, if the embryos aren't already human, changing their location doesn't make them valuable. What? It does kind of determine whether the mom has to deal with that, and whether the, and whether the embryo lives or dies, or whether if the mom is allowed mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. have the ectopic. Pregnancy removed. You know, there's a lot of. Well,
0: actually, that go. actually that, that, that is good because then, at what stage? At what stage do you then uh, medically intervene to um, to you know either save the baby or save the mum? And I think this is actually a this may be a bit of a backfire argument because um, how can I say? Like if if we terminate pregnancies that how can I say? Um, yeah as you said like e- e- ectopic pregnancies that potentially can kill the mum you know why is that okay but a, a pregnancy that could you know uh, kill the mum in other ways or even mentally physically financially or, or, or otherwise harm uh harm mm-hmm. the baby then now, yeah it's
1: as a quick note To anyone Mm -hmm. in the audience who wants to say anything about ectopic pregnancy, you can just remove the embryo and put it back in the uterus. That's not how that works. That's not how that works. Are there people
0: people who genuinely say that?
1: There was a senator who did.
0: Let me guess, he was GOP.
1: Uh, Yeah. Please, because I take your scientific information from senators. Some of them are complete morons. Please go talk to scientists. Thank you. That is likely, indeed, well. indeed.
0: <laughs> and I think uh, who, there was someone who said that you know the body has mechanisms to shut down pregnancy in the case of that sexual assault.
1: That was A Texas senator. Ah, yeah.
0: <sighs> that was a uh, like I, I was a Christian. I was a Christian at the time that was said, and even I face palmed. Even like even I even though I was uh, an anti-abortion you know on the anti-abortion side yeah even I faced part when I uh, heard that because I thought like, oh my oh my gosh oh my gosh and someday if I can uh, go on a little aside I think I may have told you this story before but just for the uh for the sake of the audience my wife uh, is Indonesian and she gr- she grew up in Indonesia what happened was that in the late 90s I think it was 1999, the the long time uh president slash dictator finally fell uh but what happened at the time part of the part of what precipitated that was the fact that the indonesian economy uh, kind of tanked uh and what happened was that the the muslim or the, the majority muslim population were blaming the chinese for tanking the economy yeah. and so there was a lot of uh, anti-chinese sentiment and it just so happens that my wife is of chinese ethnicity and so, basically, what happened there were uh, there were like bombings, there were houses burnt down, there were assaults, uh, but also what would hap- what apparently happened as well, was that there were gangs of teens breaking into homes and sexually assaulting uh, women in their homes in front of their parents, and in some cases, making the parents watch. And so there was actually one of the more famous uh, Methodist ministers in in Indonesia. He basically gave the theological green light for abortions. And part of his reasoning was that, you know, these women had no say in what happened to them. Um, you know, so it's in order to remove that burden and the reminder of, of what actually happened. You know, it's, uh, you know, he, he basically gave the, 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 the theological green light to, to abortion. Yeah, sorry. Sorry about that, Those in a that was an aside. Well,
1: to tie that back into the environment conversation, environment yep. isn't just physical location.
0: No, like that was a, a. It's a bit of a. It is a bit of a. I suppose uh, he couldn't use L again for location since he already used L for. <laughs> for and he can't you know, use level.
1: setting. S for setting. No,
0: <laughs> he could use use progress, but then he couldn't fit into the. He needs something that starts with a vowel to um. Mm-hmm.
1: At this point. But indeed, indeed. No. As somebody who's an English major, setting would have been the appropriate word to use here oh, okay. Setting yeah, is yeah. way more complex than just your physical location.
0: Indeed, it, indeed, indeed. There
1: is a setting I also sometimes I'll think of it as context. What is yep. the full scope of the situation? So just by mm-hmm. focusing on the physical location of where an embryo is doesn't really help yep. the situation. You if you just say, "Oh, that embryo is in a uterus, and therefore that is, that embryo is a person," that completely discounts what the uterus owner is dealing with, their environment, Indeed. their situation.
0: Indeed. Um, actually, that actually, I'll put that in the in the private chat because you, you just raised something I do want to chat about. Um, let me just quickly. Uh, oh, sorry k- keep talking, Jacks. I'm, I'm listening.
1: <laughs> no, you're fine. So again from a utilitarian perspective you need to take everything into context when evaluating Mm -hmm. whether something is going to positively or negatively impact someone greater so Mm -hmm. taking so the uterus owner in this context is going to have way more stuff going on and that's Mm -hmm. important oh I've heard that before
0: (laughs) indeed indeed um, yeah, so uh, I do find it interesting that, um, yeah, you're right, so, like, with pregnancies that go wrong, uh, for a number of reasons, but then also, doesn't that, doesn't that also, uh, how can I say, um, make God one of the most prolific abortionists of all? Because as well? mm, uh,
1: most, most uterus owners th- usually have at least one miscarriage in their life.
0: Uh-huh. Well, I think it's, like, one pro- in 3 okay yeah so like like most um and most pregnant most pregnancies fail before the woman even realizes she's pregnant as well Mm -hmm. you know so so in that case you know god is like god designed a system that you know allows such a high rate of um of failure which is like okay that's you know for for a god that is apparently so pro-life that you know the united states you know makes all these uh restrictive laws based on theology um yeah just don't quite don't quite get why um which then ties into uh the the theology of it in that in especially in the old testament uh women's value was determined by how many babies they could carry
2: Mm mm-hmm Man. Which is
0: uh, probably something that is uncomfortable for any Christians listening to this, but uh, I-, I could make that case using numerous scriptures. So, if you want to argue mm-hmm. it with me or Jax, you know, feel free to, and we will, uh, you know, uh, do so. But you are about to say, Jax. I-,
1: I was just gonna. I don't know where my brain was going. Continue. <laughs>
0: So I do appreciate you making. I know you are, you are staying up late, and I do appreciate you making yourself available. So thank you. Of course. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for that, uh, especially for a topic that is uh, you know fairly close to your heart. And I know that, I know that you have um, felt uh, pretty. Uh, you felt a lot of the debate personally. So again, thank you so mm-hmm. much. Um, now uh, the 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 D in sled means degree of dependency. If viability makes us human. Then all those who depend on insulin or kidney medication are not valuable, and we may kill them. Conjoined twins who share blood type and bodily systems also have no right to life.
1: Step in for two seconds. You realize that most conjoined twins are separated?
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. So... Actually, actually it is. You're right. It's very rarely that you do see uh, conjoined twin. like, you know... Like, it's actually that like most people will at their own expense and at their own effort, make uh, arrangements for conjoined twins to be separated. Mm -hmm. It's not like God comes down, you know, with his magic magic scalpel and sutures and, you know, separates the twins. It's to to ensure a high quality of life. It is, you know, people at their own expense and effort um, making sure that those children are looked after and have the highest quality of life uh, that they can.
1: And... There are instances that have occurred in the past where one of the twins of the conjoined twin pair mm-hmm. have died. Are you just going to let the now corpse hang on to the living <laughs> yep. the living person and slowly die of sepsis?
0: That's a good point. That is a uh, the degree of dependency uh, change the uh, you know the, the value for life. It's uh, well, I suppose it really okay. it, it really does go back to when you consider a life to be a life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. But you, you, okay, you're, okay, you're okay. about to say. So remember how I said that this that these um, this acronym was made back in
0: 1990.
1: Mm-hmm. It really hasn't been updated because there's now a new argument. Well, it might be an older argument as well, but there's an argument yep. that goes against the degree of dependency here.
0: Sure, and that that have, would be.
1: Have you heard of the violinist argument?
0: No, no, that's a uh, sounds like it sounds like I'm about to be educated.
1: Okay, here's the argument. Yep. You are currently the only person who can save a famous violinist. Here's the details. Violinist was in a car accident that severely damaged their kidneys. You are the only person on the planet who can donate your kidney to that person in order for them to survive. But until then, you can also be the person to give them dialysis. You are the only person who can do so in the world. What do you do? Do you give them your kidney and your dialysis blood in the meantime?
2: Mm Mm-hmm
1: or do you say screw you this is my body I do what I want with it yep and let them die
0: interesting interesting conundrum interesting conundrum
1: so if viability makes us human and you are the only person who can save this person's life Uh what do you do 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 you go help them
0: Yeah, I uh, there's there's a few there's a couple of different responses I'd have, and um, part of me says yes, part of me says no. Um, I suppose <laughs> the, the, well the question I then have is at what stage are you compelled to um, give your kidney over? Like let, let's yes, uh... let let's say let's say the king so let's say we form a one world government and the king of the world you know gets into a car crash and you know like you, do we compel that person whose kidney it is to give their kidney over?
1: My argument would be no, because regardless of your thoughts on the king,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it is not something that you can force on someone else. If you force someone else to do it, you have just committed more harm to another person to try to save someone else. And you can't even guarantee it would work. True. I mean, what if, a... what, if the, what if it fails? It happens.
0: Yeah it does you just it does a whole and,
1: kidney
0: yep and you know and then the 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 donor's quality of life has to suffer in order for the violin, violinist to you know uh, as well and it's um yeah but uh, i suppose so if viability makes us human then those who depend on insulin are not valuable and we may well look if you
1: just
0: yeah, make get- those medicines free, yeah, yeah. or very, very, very cheap and affordable, because exactly. the government does a deal with the drug company. The government does a deal with the drug companies to make sure that their citizens have affordable healthcare. Gee, <coughs> <coughs> sorry, sorry I got that, got got, you- got, got carried off. <laughs> yeah, I did. It was called a free, a free Australian freedom. <laughs> yeah, so um so degree of dependency um but this is the thing like for me uh when you have that right to life it um you know to me personally becomes in, as i said before inalienable except at the point that you are deliberately harming uh, someone else and you know you will not stop unless you are forced to stop so yeah but i suppose um if, if we go back to the theology theology part, um, it is interesting, and this is a point I may have made to you before, and I've made on Twitter a few times that the people who are strongest in favour, uh, who are strong, who are the strongest anti-abortionists, are also in favour of the death penalty.
1: That's really weird.
0: Uh, if you look at Texas um, now, I will quickly because I read somewhere. Um, I'm just uh, you hear that thump? That's, that's me hitting my keyboard. My big uh, sausage fingers.
1: Yeah, you're fine. Oh. By the way, Texas is the number one for the death penalty.
0: Yeah, so that, that, that's, that's what I was saying. Um, the okay, so number of executions in the state. So let's just see if I can find.
1: What's bad? Uh,
0: it. Okay, so just looking at looking at. Um, Last okay, so it looks like Mich- Michigan has no has had no executions. Um that's, that's interesting. Uh where's Texas on this? Okay, so that's uh that, so that's in so only so only twenty three states have abolished the death penalty. Which is uh interesting. But then I mean, if we go me. to <laughs> uh, why why is that? Like what 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 are your thoughts on on death penalty?
1: my my thing with the death penalty is I think it should be replaced with a rehabilitation program yep because rehabilitation keeps people off the streets longer and if we don't treat people as eternal felons which is essentially what the US system does right now
2: mm-hmm.
1: and less and deserving of lesser as a result basically felons are considered second class citizens in this country mm. for a lot of things and so, if we got rid of some of that stigma and replaced it with a rehabilitation program to encourage people to stay out of the system, yeah, I feel like that would be just a lot better overall, and would reduce the amount of re-recycling back into the prison system.
0: Okay, so I've I've got some statistics from a website called Statista dot com, and okay. so this so so this year now I suppose however accurate what you think it is. Um, So this year, uh, the federal government has executed three people and Texas, two people, and everyone else on zero. Uh, Last year, the US government uh, executed 10 people. Uh, Texas, three. uh, Georgia, Missouri, Alabama, Tennessee, and California, one. Uh, 2019, uh, zero for the US government. Nine for Texas, three for Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, a handful, uh, and then we go back to 2018. Uh, Texas has 13 ex- executions. Uh, Georgia two, Alabama two, Tennessee three. Um, so we can we can see clearly if we go the last five or six years that Texas is leading the country by far in terms of uh, of, of execution. So it's just just very interesting that um, the the same state that you know s- says that the same the same state that says that you know the embryo is a life somehow somehow forgets the value of that life so maybe we should add like a um another i don't know maybe like a c for criminality in this uh in, in this sled thing <laughs> you know i don't know I don't really the put fact it that in.
1: criminals deserve life too
0: yeah exactly it's um you may not you know, like them, yeah, exactly exactly and this is this is something that um uh, I I get come uh, come back at me when I do make the the point that you know about Texas is that oh but they're criminals okay so what they're about criminals that they, they are still people yes um so what about yeah exactly or what what about uh, what specifically about criminality uh, does you know make some forfeit their right to life you know it's uh, it's, a, it's a bit of a it's just, it's just an interesting one where especially. Keep
1: Innocent people do get killed.
0: Indeed, this is, this is that's one of the reasons why I'm against the death penalty is because yeah, innocent innocent people do get killed. But then, but then you have the the Christians come back and say, oh, but you're killing innocent babies, which you know is a again so it really. So that depends. means
1: that you. Let me get this right. If that if you manage to not abort that baby and that baby grows up to become a criminal, you mm-hmm. no longer care about that that baby now. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, it's, uh the weird uh the weird mix of uh anti-abortion and theology is uh yeah the, yeah the way, the way I see it but um this thing like I suppose if you are a if you want to argue purely on eth- ethical grounds that's okay make your argument based on ethical grounds but uh where was it uh at the bottom of this uh at the bottom of this um uh, one pager agree, that th- are both we're both reading uh at the bottom is from the life training institute and online christian courses.com
1: who are these people
0: uh, well and it's, and it's interesting that there's no verses that they give you know there, there is no um you know in this in this one page of from a christian organization you know they're, they're almost arguing on philosophical grounds rather than theological grounds
1: i think it's because personal opinion Mm-hmm. I think the reason that they don't include bible verses is because they're realizing that bible verses aren't going to win everyone because you can argue bible verses left right and center for mm-hmm. and against each other and you're not going to get anywhere because people are going to disagree about scripture Yep. so trying to make it more philosophical makes
0: it or, seem or like a strong and it, it kind of makes you look like you're not. Hey, hey we, we may be Christians, but we're not relying on Christianity to inform our morality, guys. <laughs> you know, we not just. This we time. just hi- not this time, no. So we'll, we'll just quickly hide that in the corner and, uh, you yeah. know. So uh, there was a point that I typed out before in the, in the private chat. Um, so the, one, of the, one of the problems I do have with the anti abortion argument is that it basically. Condemns the woman to have to bear a baby for the state.
1: This has also um, as, been uh, lovingly sarcastic, lovingly mm. referred to as pro-birth.
0: Which is okay. That's, and you find that most people are pro-birth. Um, like doctors are very pro-birth. Instead, like we go, we go to extraordinary lengths and have done so much uh, medical research and developed this technology. To help people give birth, I'm so you sorry, find the most I mean
1: pro birth, I mean pro forced
0: birth. Oh, s- <laughs> sorry, sorry, Jax, I didn't, I couldn't. I, no, you must no, have mis- you, I you must have misspoke when you <laughs> you must you must have misspoke when you said that sentence the first time.
1: I did it on purpose. <laughs>
0: but yeah, pro pro forced birth, and it's it is interesting that you know um, in that case you know the state should. Um, like if, you, if you're going to force a person to give birth, then you should also, you know, uh, give them everything they need in order to help that child live, you know, a happy and healthy life. Um, and that may unfortunately have to include, you know, being uh, adoption or, you know, in that case, like, is there like government mandated babysitting? you know it just be it would just be interesting if um you know the state made you give birth and then like you get like a government assigned babysitter to make sure that kid comes up as comes up as a productive uh, productive citizen
1: but they don't do that now do
0: they no it's just basically you have to give birth and you know if you don't it's it, on it, you know well, exactly especially in texas as soon as you know you're pregnant you know that's it you have lost the right to your own to your own body which and like like and like, and like, you know, Texas doesn't doesn't even do that with like drug dealers, you know. Um, like, and this is something we may discuss in a previous chat. That um, you know, like, is there is there a ten thousand dollar bounty on on drug dealers, on on uh, rapists, on murderers, um, on all these nope. other undesirable people? Nope,
1: nope,
0: nope. Really?
1: Nope. It's just on hmm. The uh, what, who one one the one
0: particular one particular gender. Women, mm,
1: well, uterus owner. There's a lot of different genders that can have a uterus, but okay, it's generally, well, you know, I'm against the uterus owner.
0: Mm. The uterus owner. So yeah, it's um. So I just find that yeah, say so yeah, criminality is one of these things that tends to remove the right to life, and so well, okay. And then if we do get into the theological aspect, um, you know, um, what was it? Uh, particularly with the Canaanite slaughter. Uh, the excuse given there is that oh the canaanites uh you know um they forfeited the they forfeit the right to the land and they deserve their punishment for sins from 400 years ago that they had no choice over that's We're back weird to the sins of the
1: father talk
0: oh indeed and actually um i touched on this point uh when in you know, i think i think it was episode 44 and episode 45 of the podcast uh covering the king james version only debate there was a guy who said that uh, what what happened to the Jews in not, in in World War Two was because the Jews of Jesus' time rejected him as Messiah. So like, really? How anti-Semitic can you get? You know that you think the Jews, two almost two thousand years later, deserved to be mistreated and killed and all that because their great 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 grandparents 20 times over didn't, um... That
1: is my thoughts exactly
0: So, yeah, it just seems like, yeah, if you're arguing a theological basis, then you kind of have to you then have to, like, do all these mental gymnastics and contort and twist things around Yeah, exactly, exactly, so, um... But even then, so let's go back to yeah. So the woman has to bear the baby for the state, but it's almost like the, so the so the, ba- so the woman has to bear the baby for the state. But then, as soon as that baby does something wrong, it forfeits its right to life. And it's like, well, okay, that's sure that so that makes perfect argument, sense.
1: Another argument I've heard is, um, well, if you if you abort that embryo. You weren't that baby. What if that was the person who would find the cure for cancer? Uh. Did you forget the uterus owner kind of loses their life to some degree, their social (laughs) life and their learning life kind of after having a kid? What if they were supposed to Uh, be the ones who would find the cure for cancer? What happens to them?
0: Mm, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and I think uh, Sam Harris kind of makes a, a slightly similar point in that, like, given the given the number of uh, Jewish people who have you know won Nobel prizes, you know, he makes a point that um, by not like if we if we stop the Holocaust, you know, human society may have been you know in a lot better state, given given the the contribution of Jewish people to society. And so that's uh, that's an interesting sorry i don't know if you can hear that rumble there's a motorbike uh rider
1: i thought that was just me nope, no no there's, there's no there's, there's, there's,
0: there's, <laughs> there's a guy with it but well, there's a guy about three doors down who has got this big massive uh, tailpipe on his bike and uh he uh um doesn't mind revving yeah cool beans so not not real not when you're trying to record it really <laughs> okay there have <laughs> a good day. Don't 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 come back for another few hours. <laughs> um, yeah, so now you're you're about to make a point about unwind and, and size or when is a human a human.
1: So let's talk about unwind for a second. Uh, so No, go for it, go for it. Obviously spoilers. Um so unwind for the uninitiated Was a dystopian novel Written in 2007 Um Basically it sets itself up After a second civil war Occurs over abortion And The compromise is that uh, Children between the ages of 13 to 18 Um Parents can decide to have them unwound Um Basically the argument is It's basically you remove every single part of the body and use it for something else um I,
0: ooh, okay
1: and the argument what in the book the argument was was that since most of the body is used unwinds don't technically die because their individual parts do live on on some, with someone else
2: mm-hmm yeah okay so that's, that,
0: that, that's interesting, interesting
1: but the the interesting point in all of this is that kids between the ages of 13 to 18 can be sent out to be unwound, quote-unquote. Okay, yeah. So it's this idea of are these kids human? Are these kids considered human or are they considered just walking organ, organ farms? Okay, yeah, yeah. Which I argue that Because this book was written by someone who is pro-life. If it wasn't clear. And the thing I would say is is that generally most parents would never do that. Yep. They they would say, this is my kid, don't touch them. In fact, I will hit you with a shovel if you try to touch them.
0: Yeah, Yeah, yeah.
1: So... The premise of unwind is kind of tied to that idea of size and it kind of falls apart when you think about it because most people would not allow that compromise to even happen in the first place because Mm -hmm. they would say, oh my gosh, that's awful, why would you do that? Yep. So. Indeed, that's a a (laughs) unwind. What did you say?
0: yeah I say unwind so i'll have to yeah if i get time i'll uh, have to have to check that one out
1: it apparently became a series i don't know why okay
0: well but i suppose you know wait it's a bit it's a bit like the matrix you know the matrix is about you know people being farmed for uh, for the you know for their what what they're what they can do in this case you know provide energy to the uh, to the supercomputer
2: mhm
0: but, um, but um, yeah um, it's uh
1: but unwind um it's a book um like i said it apparently got turned into a series of books which
2: okay
1: i only ever read the first one um content warning for body horror there's a dog oh, barking okay. outside right. i do not own a dog and my cats are looking oh, okay. at him like
0: I was, say, yeah, you? I was gonna say your cats are uh, your cats a uh, you're hiding pets from me
2: <laughs>
0: i'm hiding pets <laughs> well,
1: we're only allowed ah. to
0: oh I, I, okay um, now just uh, while I before I forget um, there were some Jewish uh, some Jewish scriptures that I was about to read out that do tend to fly in the face of the the, fu- the fundamentalist Christian anti-abortion argument Go on. so the first one I was about to so there was a um, there was a verse uh, now forgive me forgive my bad pronunciations here uh, Yevamot 69b and if she's pregnant until 40 days from conception, the fetus is merely water. So, so, so there's that. So, you know, that, that, that's a, tradi- a traditional Jewish belief. It's not, it's not in the Bible, of course, but this is a, uh, the next one is a uh, Mahalot 7, 8. If a woman is in hard travail, one cuts up the offspring in her womb and brings it forth member by, by member because her life comes before the life of her fetus. But if the greater part has proceeded forth, one may not set aside one person for the sake of saving another. And then, yeah, yep. Yeah. And then the last one I'll present is Mishnah Arakin, one chapter, verse four. If a woman is about to be executed, they do not wait for her until she gives birth. But if she had already sat on the birth stool, they wait for her until she gives birth. So there's three passages from the uh yeah, from uh from from the non-canonical Jewish scriptures. But you know, this is this is one thing I notice and this is where I'm gonna get anti-theological here, is that uh most fundamentalists will, you know, when they when they can find like a verse in the Mishnah or the Talmud or something that backs up their particular particular position, they'll go, Oh yeah, yeah, hey great, look, you know, even the Jews believe this, you know, all that kind of stuff. But when something goes against that fundamentalist narrative, it's like, hmm, what what is a Mishnah? Oh, what is a Talmud? Hmm, that must be uh, heretical writings. That must be, oh, it was non-canonical. So the Jews, the, the Jews didn't really believe that. That was just, you know, <laughs> someone wrote that for a jape, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so it, you know, and so it then leads to the uh, leads to the uncomfortable position that you know um so in this uh so in this first one, you know, even if she's pregnant until forty days from conception, the fetus is merely water. Well, okay. Uh that flies in the face of the you know of the argument that, you know, the fertilized egg uh with the sperm in it is already is already a person. So, you know So there, there's that there, but then uh this this interesting one, so Mahalot seven eight is basically saying that you know if a woman is about to die you know the life of the woman comes before the life of the baby unless the baby is more than halfway out and this was that's where that's where it says but if the greater part has proceeded forth one may not set aside one person for the sake of saving another and look i'll actually kind of think that's actually a good a good point you know especially in those ancient times when you know birthing technology wasn't very uh what wasn't very you know wasn't very advanced at all if this was in texas you know um i suppose you know do uh, is there any medical exceptions to terminating a pregnancy in in texas or you know
1: for the
0: six week one no okay so basically the woman has so the woman has to have like sorry you go first
1: i was gonna say Back in March, uh, someone tried to make a similar law as a six-week one, only, uh, the woman could be given the death penalty. The uterus owner could be given the death penalty for having... Really? Where... Where...
0: Abortion. Where, where was
1: that? Uh, this happened in March. Give me a minute.
0: No, no. Where? Where? Did it, where, where did it happen?
1: Texas. Texas tried to wow. pass that and people said, uh, oh, no.
0: Jeez, oh, that's uh... a. This, this again. This I, I've said this before, but it's just this really weird thing where, um, like cr- like you know drug like drug smugglers, uh, people crossing the border, um, you know murderers and rapists. You know they they seem to get more rights than than and people with uteruses so really guys you know you guys have got much bigger problems to worry about than uh yeah okay this is uh
1: it's it's wild it's okay, what I don't, uh,
0: well, I, I, I don't I, like I don't get America at the best of times but <laughs> this is this is really really pushing it but then uh this last uh, this last verse in the mission of mission of uh one verse four if a woman is about to be executed they do not wait for her until she gives birth um but if she's already sat on the birth stool they wait for her until she gives birth so you know one why are they are executing women and two you know they don't even care if she's pregnant you know only if she's in the act of giving birth do they stay her execution but then you know if she's if she's giving birth they'll let her have the baby but then the woman gets executed uh, yeah, uh right away you know
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's like so. So the ba- so that child has to grow up without a mother because of something the child didn't do. It's like <laughs> you know, the, the theology-based the morals, guys. Again, so the reason I came across this particular flyer was because it came from um, uh, Frank Turek uh, or cross- cross-examined, uh, gave out. You know, download this. You know, uh, one-page. You know, pro-life handout. And so, yeah, it turns out it's from uh, Steven Swartz. And I said, uh, "You seem to know more about this than me." And, and thank you for your, thank you for your thoughts on the topic. Um,
1: Hooray, Google Foo! Sorry. Google
0: Foo. Have I been really Googling joking.
1: and researching and finding this information?
0: Ah, uh, okay. Yes, yes. Sorry, yes. So you're, you're you're the Google master. Um, um, so he, uh, here,
2: here, we, here we.
0: Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Go for it. Go for it.
1: The last thing I'll say on this whole topic,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. overall, if you really, if you have managed to listen this far and you're religious, encourage comprehensive sex ed, encourage free or practically free birth control. Mm -hmm. Teach kids how to do all the things so that they at least are aware of how to do them and, afterwards, provide support in the event that something does happen. Yep. These are ways that you can help prevent abortions from happening.
0: That's 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 a great point. so,
1: So if you want to reduce the amount of abortions that occur trying to prevent abortions through laws is not going to change things it's just going to make it more dangerous for those who mm-hmm. are desperate
0: yep and because I will say I, if you're
1: rich it won't matter yes.
0: oh, true yeah that's uh, that's the point but um as I say I think it was either Denmark or the Netherlands where uh like think comprehensive sex ed uh, free abortions um yeah, stuff like that. They really and they have one of the lowest rates, lowest rates of abortions. hmm When uh, I say birth just...
1: control, I don't just mean I just I'm not just talking about abortion. I'm talking about condoms. I'm talking about birth control. I'm talking about
2: mm-hmm.
1: just general comprehensive stuff to help yep. people.
0: Yep. indeed indeed um, the more education the more options that are available the, the, the better the better.
1: and providing support financially socially if you provide support to someone completely who decides that they do want to have a kid that's mm-hmm. also going to be a huge burden off of someone's shoulders especially since after having a kid chances are they're not sleeping for about two months
0: <laughs> oh boy have they been, been, been there done that um, <laughs> In twice. my case, my parents yeah, didn't
1: sleep for five years.
0: <laughs> there, there you go. That's uh, indeed, indeed. But anyway, Jacks, thank you for your considered uh, opinions on this topic. Um,
1: thank you so much for having. Yeah, me.
0: All, all, that's all right. That's all right. And uh, yeah, wherever you are, wherever you haven't been, whenever you're listening to this, uh, look after yourselves. And all I can say is, just like Jack said, inf- inform yourself and give yourself the most options that you can. Of anyway, course. look after yourselves and goodbye. Good night. Sorry to interrupt the ending, but I'm adding this particular section because after I initially recorded with Jax, I entered into an online debate that actually caused me to consider the following points which I didn't share during my initial conversation with Jax, but which I feel are worth sharing anyway. One of the common anti-abortion arguments I come across is that the pro-abortion argument is based on a stance that is completely arbitrary. My response? Even if you want to charge that the pro-abortion position is based on ideas that are completely arbitrary, that isn't a bad thing. Let me explain. I'll put some music on. things like speed limits and tax rates and drinking ages are also completely arbitrary but what we miss with that is that they serve purposes we have speed limits to ensure safety we have tax rates to raise money to pay for services and we have drinking ages to ensure that people whose body cannot easily handle alcohol ...aren't encouraged to drink it. And these are still moral issues, just like abortion is, because they are to do with health and safety. But, as an example, we don't have anti-speed limit crusaders saying that... ...the government position doesn't withstand even the tiniest bit of scrutiny because the government arbitrarily chose the speed limit that the police are enforcing. They just made up a number. They did indeed, but it misses the point of why that particular number was chosen and for that particular location, because the authorities have to strike a balance between public safety and traffic management. If we allow people to drive 100 km an hour everywhere, we would have a lot of children being hit by cars around school zones. And if we made everyone drive 20km an hour everywhere, we wouldn't get anywhere because we'd all be going too slow. In fact, if we argued about speed limits like anti-abortion activists argue their position, we would have arguments such as Brake pedals are wrong because they stop the natural process of speed that the car is designed to do. Or, speed starts at the moment you engage the gearbox. Or, if you didn't want a speeding fine, the only safe speed is idle because if you follow the natural processes of the car, you will eventually reach a speed that could cause danger. Or the ultimate in specious arguments, every drop of petrol is sacred. And two, in light of that, the pro-choice side is the only position that takes into account that the body belongs to the woman, and that if she wants to undergo a relatively low-risk medical procedure, she should be free to. If you think about it, we don't even do that with drugs. As an example, and I can't speak about other jurisdictions, but in Australia, consuming drugs is not a crime. Possessing, selling, growing, and distributing drugs are crimes, but the actual consumption, no. So in reality, anti-abortion activists want to be tougher on women and especially rape victims than they are on something that has been categorically shown to harm society, drugs. So yes, even if we concede that the pro-abortion side of the argument is completely arbitrary, is arbitrary because we want it to serve a purpose. The purpose of establishing that people should have a say in what happens to their body. Which leads me to move on to the next facet of the debate. The biological definition of life and the moral definition. The anti-abortion argument, I find, relies on the conflation between what I call the biological definition of life and the moral or philosophical definition. And to clarify, when I say life, I mean human life. The biological definition of life, to me, is an independent unit possessing of the collection of cells containing the DNA that, under the right conditions and with the proper assistance, can create a being with the ordinary capability of sentience and sapience. So the sperm and the egg together is the beginning of life. But does this mean that what is essentially two cells that have merged should be granted the full protection of personhood? To me, no. And it comes down to this question. When does a collection of cells philosophically become a human? To me, it is when the organism is capable of interacting with its environment. Maybe not very well and not with much intelligence at the early stages, but let's think about it this way. If you saw a petri dish with a bunch of cells in it, and next to it you saw an infant, which one would you say is human? It's a no-brainer. Otherwise, what you're effectively saying is that IVF clinics are full of little humans stuck in cryo chambers which leads to the cat cry, won't anyone think of the children? Anyway, let me finish here and I'll re-replay the ending music. I've been Damien, the tall, friendly atheist dad. Look after yourselves and see you next time.